look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? I'm excellent. How about you? I'm doing well. We are we are ready for we are ready for the volatility. Oh, we what hope. a week! Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, no less than on the Dow, triple digit moves every single day. Yeah, so hundred plus point changes, positive or negative. Yep, every day. Every, Every single day. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, you know, we got a, we got an interesting show. I definitely want to get to that and talk about it. That's going to be concerning okay. people, no question. Um, Ten years ago when we put this show together, we called it More Than Money for a reason because it's about more than money. There's, we know that this transition to retirement uh, it touches every aspect of your life, relationship, money, yeah. health, everything. Yeah, right? it's, it's a, there's a financial aspect to it, and there's a non-financial right. aspect to it. And I love when we get a chance to bring on somebody who's going, you know, Going right now through the process of retiring, and we're going to talk to Bruce Bowie. He's a legend in, in Edmonton on 630 Chad Sister Station. He's going through the process of retirement. I want to hear the human experience he's going through right now and how, you know, the build up to it and what yep. he thinks is going to happen after. And there's a whole bunch of options out there for care as you're aging and there's issues with memory challenges and so yep. forth. So let's explore those different options. I think people automatically assume long term uh, facility, long term care facility with doctors and nurses around uh, 24 hours right. a day. There's a whole bunch of different right. uh, uh, um, options out there, so we're going to chat about that too. Yeah, that's not the only option for sure, the uh, full test. Okay, um, you teased everybody right at the top of the hour. We've, we have had a volatile week. Um, the narrative hasn't necessarily, necessarily changed. The risks that we're talking about are the same, but it's becoming more acute. Correct. Right, and the markets are swinging as a result of that sensitivity to it more and more press talking about the R word and we're moving towards recession and they're talking about inverted yield curves and all these crazy things, right? But at the end of the day, what we see is a deceleration in some of the economic data. The data is decelerating, absolutely. Right? And then we see on top of that, the uncertainty created by Brexit, by the deterioration of the U.S.-China trade relationship, yep. um, the Fed's lack of clarity around what they're doing or perhaps disappointment with respect to what the market expects they should be doing. Correct. Right? All of these different things on a daily basis creating the volatility. It's spooking people. It's scaring them. Yes, and it's gyrating the market for a glimmer of hope right? or something that they'll be, be told that will actually be, be a catastrophe for the, for right. the future. There's no middle ground. Like, uh, yeah. We're not going back to common sense of how are these companies doing. So when we did get some good earnings reports that came out this week, right. markets were happy. Right. Oh, companies are still making money. Surprise. Companies make money. Well, surprise, surprise. People make money in here. And why can't you just you know enjoy that piece? Right. But the outside noise that comes into play, which is the Federal Reserve or... China and soybeans and U.S. and all this stuff. Yeah, Brexit and where are we going? Is yeah. pushing. And Brexit has been on the back burner, at least in the North American yeah. markets. Yeah. And so when you're going through this on a week-by-week basis, you're going to get people who are just going to panic. Who well, are just going to... It's emotional. Pin. They're going to walk away from this stuff. You bet. And maybe they should. And maybe they should. And maybe they should. Right. And maybe it's time to look at now as we are all pretty much saying that the recession is coming. Winter is coming. We always hear that that phrase in the past. Well, so is the recession. Mm-hmm. And if you can't handle that volatility, 
then take a look at do you really need to be part of it? Right. If you don't need to be on the boat with with a lot of a lot of uh, of waves, waves and, yeah, yeah. and and it, it hurts your stomach or whatever happens to you, yeah. why are you on the boat? Right. And so you hear too many people in our industry talking about stay for the long term, get in the stock market, and and they've got some merit behind what they're saying. But at the end of the day, no much no matter how much rational information we can give you, much data we can give you. If you don't feel right, if you're losing sleep, if there's anxiety, if you're panicking, mm-hmm. why are you in it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting. That's an interesting comment um, because the emotion is what makes people make bad decisions. Um, maybe we, we beat this horse a little bit Emotions too much. is what makes people make all decisions. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair comment. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's even when it's the, the right thing yep. to do, we yep. do the wrong thing sometimes because we felt right. Yep. 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 And in, in investing, though, particularly at time of retirement, this, this can be very problematic, right? And it, it's interesting, even having said that. So let's, let's assume that the data is telling us that it's decelerating and yeah. you're one of those people that think we're going to recession. You just don't know when, right? So, okay, so there's no date on this. In fact, you won't know that you're in recession or we've been in recession until at least two quarters later when we can confirm that there's yeah, you'll been... You'll find out you're in a recession six months after it actually happens. That's right. So here's the problem, right? You don't, you don't know when you're in recession. We don't know if Friday was the day that things were going to start. So that'll be marked in history. Um, so it, it raises an interesting issue. I'm going to throw it a word because I want it in the uh, old Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> it's the unplannable. There's no such word as unplannable. <laughs> I'm making it. I'm but you're making it a word. Kidding. Okay. It's here's five times the, here's the push. Weeks. Yeah, keep on saying it and people will believe it, I guess. Right, right the unplannable. <laughs> so so we, don't, we don't know what day the recession is going to hit, right? Correct. But if, if the data is telling us one thing, um, then you need to respond to that data. You have to be careful about responding too aggressively, right? You can't whipsaw around. So there has to be a fundamental thesis in place yep. to respond to these things. And you have to accept that you're not going to know when that day is that start the, the recession started. And, right? and, and, and here's a news flash: People can still enjoy, enjoy their retirement in a right, recession. Right, right. This is the thing. It just needs People prop- can have a great time. Right. They don't, in fact, when things are getting cheaper... You can buy more. <laughs> right. When when prices are going down, you can enjoy more. Can you imagine if everybody's flights went down by fifty percent? Right. It happens in some some recessions. Yeah, that's right. You get price wars, and they need to generate uh, profitability. Okay. So so let's go back to our initial comment. Like this has been a volatile week. Correct. Right. We don't know if there's going to be a hard Brexit or not, and that's coming up. Uh, we know that there's been a deterioration in in the China U.S. trade relationship. Right. China has responded. I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody. They're not just going to sit back and idly let the U.S. apply tariffs to them. They're going to respond. They yeah. did do that. Yep. Okay. The U.S. Fed was an interesting conversation this week, or commentary. Um, I, I suspected there might have been some market disappointment ahead of it. In fact, when I was reporting on morning, Friday morning before the announcement came yep. out, and then even after the announcement came out, the markets originally rallied a little bit, and I thought, I don't know if the commentary that he's put out really is all that positive because he actually, uh, Chairman Powell, said that we're still data dependent, right? We will respond as the data indicates that we should. Certainly not what President Trump wanted to hear. And I think that was a slight disappointment to what the market in general wanted to hear. But we've got no clear guidance. But the movements that are happening with all this, Dave, is primarily market speculators. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They're not investing. They're right. not thinking of a of a growth strategy for their retirement. Right. They're trying to make money on the nanosecond. Yep. On the nanosecond. Right. And trying to parse 
that language to see if it's slightly positive or slightly negative, right? And it's, so it's because wild. of these wild swings are happening from speculators, right. people who are investing for the longer term, like in a growth bucket, are getting anxiety. Right, exactly. And so when you have that anxiety, you're going to take a step back and say, oh my God, what's happening? That's like saying it's always going to have a winter storm every single September because last September we had a winter storm. Right. That's not true. Right. So why are we doing this stuff? Yeah. Why are we putting ourselves through that anxiety? What's really happening in a person's life where swings of one, two, three, four percent happen that cause you to believe it's all going to zero? Right. And I think because emotion dictates decision, we have to make sure we feel right. So what do we need to know in order to feel right? Okay. I'm going to tease our last segment for today because we're going to talk about this. The rules of investing have actually changed. They fundamentally change when you move into retirement and you have to draw on your portfolio. We're going to talk about that in the fourth quarter because there are some things you need to do to protect yourself. Yep. It's not like when we were 25 anymore. So the volatility does take on a different meaning. So stick around uh, for the for the fourth uh, segment because we want to talk about that. However, uh, we're running out of time in this segment. So let's just remind everybody, we're going to be talking about how to profit and protect when necessary. Yes. Okay. Um, to ensure that you don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day volatility of whatever the tweet is. Uh, tweet de jour yeah. does to the market. Okay, so yeah. let's let's remind everybody when that's, that's coming. A new up. word, tweet de jour. Okay, <laughs> Tuesday, September twenty fourth, seven p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel. You need to reserve your seats for this, please. They're filling up quickly, so give us a call nine six six eight four hundred nine six six eight four zero zero, or you can register online at morethemoneyradio.com. All the fears and elation you feel as you're moving towards that retirement date. Yeah, you're not alone. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about the human experience of somebody going through the retirement right now. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome uh, welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You know, every once in a while, uh, uh, we get lucky, right? We, uh, we find somebody who's had a, good, a great career making the transition and will tell us, will talk to us about it, right? Because this is a human journey. This is a human experience that people go through. I mean, we talk about more than money for a reason, right? It's not just about finances, but it's about thinking about your career and what you accomplished, what you're going forward to, the relationship that you have, all those things. Yeah, and we, we always celebrate the retirements of, let's say, athletes or people who are leaving out of the limelight because they've had a short career. When you look at individuals who spent many, many years, sometimes multiple decades in the same business industry, whatever it may be, and they leave, that's it's a different feeling you're having. Right. Um, and so it's it's great that we have a guest and a well-known guest, yeah. especially in the Edmonton area. Absolutely. Uh, uh, on our show today. Bruce Bowie, uh, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking some time with us. David Faisal, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that, and I appreciate what you had to say about uh, short careers. And and maybe it's the same with you guys. When I got into radio, I I said, maybe if I'm lucky, I can work till I'm 50. <laughs> and I had this, this plan in my mind that uh, I said, well, I, you know, if I, if I had enough money so that if I had to be forced out, maybe I could survive at 55. And that passed, and pretty soon, pretty soon it was 60. And last year was 65. I'm going to be 66 this fall. So I finally decided that uh, it was time. But I've been blessed. I, I, went, uh, I had a, a longer run than I thought I would have in this business, and, and it's been outstanding. It's been great. In fact, I was thinking this morning, maybe if I hated my job more, it wouldn't be so hard. But, uh, I'm going <laughs> to miss this, but uh, I think I'm ready. It's time. Well, so so Bruce, you're a legend at 6:30, Ched. Uh, you've been, I mean, you've been all through the uh, the broadcast uh, circuit all over the place. We'll talk a little bit about that. It's a 47 year career. It's a it's a fantastic career. And you know, 
when Faisal and I do this show, when, when, we, when we did this show 10 years ago, uh, it was important to us not to just do another financial show. Correct. It wasn't just about yeah. workbook numbers and so on and so forth because we recognize that retirement is a is a transition. It's a, you know it's part of the journey, but it's also fraught with uncertainty and fears and so on and so forth. And uh, you know it, it's hard, as you said. You've got a great career and you've enjoyed what you've done. I'd I'd love for you just to share just a little bit about. Um, about this process of thinking about retirement. Help us understand when you were thinking about it, what it was, what your fears were, and what you were excited about. Well, I drove my wife crazy because uh, for about 10 years I've been talking about it, and she's been wondering when is it going to happen. Um, <laughs> maybe not in a positive way. <laughs> we were oh. we were walking the dog the other night, and they, they asked, someone asked her, a friend asked her how she's going to adjust to having me at home, and she said, it'll be great as long as he's out the door by 6 o'clock every morning. <laughs> Because she's got her routine, she's got Absolutely. her thing she goes through every day. But uh, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll, there'll be adjustment on that front for sure. I have to tell you guys that I had a, a friend of mine, and uh, people in Edmonton will know Dr. Bob Stedward uh, from the Stedward Center at the U of A, a great guy. And he called me last week and he said, can I pop by? Um, and um, we've gone on running adventures together, and so I thought, oh, he's going to talk about old times and things. And he came into the station as we're walking upstairs. He suddenly said, so are you ready for this? And I said, well, I don't know. And uh, so we, we sat down, and, and I re- appreciated him because he's been retired for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And so rather than talking about old times, he gave me a bit of an indication of what it might be like. And uh, and he, um, I guess, kind of like me, a type A personality, but much more so. He travels all over the world uh, with Special Olympics, and he's just always on the go. And he mentioned to me that... Um, his wife used to come to him to all these speaking engagements. Then after a while, she didn't because she just uh, got tired of uh, him working and then she's hanging out at a hotel or people she doesn't know. And I thought, man, that sounds like my life. Cause, uh, and you guys know we emcee things in this business. And and uh, my wife, Mary, used to come all the time. And then she doesn't come with me much anymore because it's the same thing. She sits at a table all by herself and doesn't know mm-hmm. the strangers who are there. So it's, it's awkward. It's difficult for her. And and when she was working, having gone to some of her office parties, I knew exactly what she was feeling like. So he said, you've, you've got to make some adjustments after you're married. Uh, he's a runner. He's a, a cycler, as I am. And so he said that his wife doesn't do that. And he said they had to sit down and figure out, well, what what do we both enjoy? And they both enjoy going for a walk. So most days they'll just get in their car and go find some place in the River Valley or someplace yep. to go for a walk together. And, and he said he's he spent so much of his career uh, – concentrating on his career, boy, that sounded familiar, that he looks back now, and if he has regrets, one of them might be that he didn't spend more time with family. So he's just, he's, he's afraid maybe he's overdoing it now, but he spends <laughs> lots of time with his kids and his grandkids and wants to be the best grandpa there ever was. And, and I think uh, when, you know, all is said and done, that's going to be the most important thing. So um, he's had to make so, some adjustments in that way as well. But but he told me something else that was interesting because people talk about uh especially if your person is just go, 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 go. And, yeah. and he was, and he said, all of a sudden it just stopped. The brake stopped, and and uh, he he went nuts for a while. He said it took him about two years to adjust, yeah. but he's he's really enjoying it now. Most most people that I've talked to say that they have uh, enjoyed making the move into retirement. I would say like 95% of them. I got one email last week from a woman who said, you know, I wish I'd stayed and stay and continue to work guess which is the only one I think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, I think it's going to be good. But I, I, I'm fully aware that it's it's not going to be like a, 
nirvana or you know, like yep. heaven, you're going to wake up the next morning and say, oh, this is fantastic. There, there's going to be some adjustment. There'll, there'll be some some time to get used to all this, I'm sure. Bruce, what are some of the things that you had to mentally and maybe maybe physically or emotionally prepare yourself to come to the terms that you're ready to retire and then actually say, I'm going to retire? Wow. Uh, well, if you talk to my boss, Sid Smith, uh, I've been mentioning to him for about three years now. that. Okay. Uh, and in fact, you know, I'll go. I'll even back up a little bit more. Gord Whitehead retired from six thirty. Chet nine years ago, and um, our general manager at the time, Doug Rutherford, and I was doing uh, mornings at our sister station, Kissing. And I'd been in the market since seventy four. And he thought, well, you know, this is a guy who knows the market. Maybe this is someone who could go on a news talk station mm-hmm. and take over for Gord. So he left the decision completely up to me. But he said that he wanted me to know that he thought I would be that guy. And so. I thought about it. I thought, well, at this point in my life, it's probably a, a good move to go to a news talk station. So I did. And in my thinking back then, I thought, I'll go and uh, and work there for three years, and that, that'll give them time to get somebody good and find somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> and somehow, every year, I said, well, can you stay another year? And then in my mind, uh, maybe I will stay another year. And the three years turned into nine. So finally, the day came. Um, and so it, it was just bizarre because I sat in Sid's office and I said, "Okay, I, this spring we're, uh, I'm gonna, we'll make the announcement and I'll, I'll wrap up the end of August." And we just kind of stared at each other and said, "Like this is real now." Yeah. <laughs> it was like we, we kind of talked about it a bit, but that, realiz- that realization hits you. And uh, and just the last couple of weeks of the career, I'm just I, like I woke up Monday morning two weeks ago and I thought, you know, I've I've got a finite number of shows left, and I yep. never really yeah. thought about that much. Yeah. Uh, but the realization, realization kind of hits you, but then you think past that and you start thinking about what you're going to be doing next. And uh, for me, I'm not going to be getting up at 2.30 in the morning. Thank there you. God. God. <laughs> there you go. What steps yeah, did you take so financially it. in the background? Like, what, what were the things that you were thinking about to make sure you were prepared for the financial change um, and the risks that you're going to be taking on by not having a paycheck going forward? Yeah, that's that's a great, great question. And some of that I'm, I'm still very nervous about. Um, when I was 21, you know, everybody talks about how you should you should get a retirement income going back then. You don't think about that when you're 21. You think, oh, my, come on. That's so many years away. But in retrospect, I wish I had. Right. Uh, so I would say probably for the last uh, uh, 15 years or so, I've been uh, kind of saving aggressively. Uh, I've got a really good financial consultant, and she does a great job, and I've had several over the years. Uh, at one point, I kind of split my savings between two different people, and I decided I'd see, well, which one's going to make me some money here? And I, I think back to those horrible years in 2008, 2009, mm. when everything crashed. And so I had a, a couple of guys who were doing some investing for me, and they'd uh, send me notes all the time saying, well, you know, we, we lost some money, but, you know, it could have been worse because most people are losing X amount of uh, X percentage on their investments. Yeah. So you didn't do, do, do too bad. You only lost 1% or 2%. Yeah. And, and this woman, in the meantime, the other woman I had investing, although she wasn't making a lot of money, she was still making some money. And so I wound up moving everything over to her. So I don't know how you find, maybe you get advice from other people, how you find a good a consultant, one that you can really trust, but she has done a great job for us then I had a really good friend who retired a few years ago and uh, a couple of years back and, and he told me that uh, his financial consultant sat down with him one day and said look she said if you want to retire you, you'd be okay now and he said he's found in talking to others that if you have a, a financial consultant who says that to you uh, you're usually going to be okay and, and he has been and uh, it was about a year ago she I didn't ask her but she's out of the blue said you know if you wake up one morning and feel like you don't want to go to work the next day you'll be okay you'll be fine so 
<laughs> a lot of faith here, but I'm just going in what she said, and, and I think it will be. I think it's going to be okay, but um, we may well, have Bruce, to carry it back to lifestyle somewhat. Yeah, yeah and I, I think you've, you've said a number of really important things. It took a long time to think about it. There was a transition, and that transition can be scary. It's fraught with uncertainty, but you've also done some thinking and planning going forward. And, uh, you know, you put those elements together at a high level, and I think you're doing the right things. And I just, we have to sign off now. We're running out of time. But uh, a 47-year career in broadcasting, I mean, you're a legend in this business. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate this, too. Thanks a lot. Well, it's been great. We've been joined by Bruce uh, Bowie. He's um, a 630 Ched legend up in Edmonton, 47 years in our industry, and, and sharing with us the human experience of, of what he's going through. And yeah. it touches everything. You know, we talked about... Uh, we talked about money. We talked about relationship. We talked about what are we going to do? Like, what, what's he going to do? How is he going to spend his How time? How do you let go? Right. Counseling from friends that are there ahead of you, right? Yeah. There's a community that helps people do this. Anyways, uh, awesome piece. Uh, we've got a seminar coming up. We're going to talk about all of this Let's stuff. talk about the community who can help you yeah. get there, too. Yeah. Um, how do you actually prepare yourself for retirement? Um, how do you actually make sure you have that lifestyle you want through retirement? We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, September 24th, 7 p.m., at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel, now you need to reserve your seats. Give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethemoneyradio.com. Health Bucket's becoming more important to people and discussing, uh, or memory care, actively participating in, in, in making sure your memory is good, becoming a more important piece of that. Stick around. We're going to talk about that uh, on the next segment. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR. Um, I think everybody, any certainly long-time listener of the show, would know that my family's personally been touched by Alzheimer's. Correct. Um, our other partner, Andrew, family was touched by Alzheimer's. Yep. And it, you know, I think if we all live long enough, many, many, many families will be touched by that. And, and we do lots of shows on this. But I'm, I'm interested, uh, partly because I'm, we're, we're, as a family, personally touched by it, but talking about the various levels of care available to people and, and to families as we're going through this. And so yeah, it, it gets scary that. when when you're <clears throat> excuse me, when you're experiencing a loved one that's going through this this disease and you don't know what to do. Yeah, Google's with one answer for sure, but <laughs> but yeah. it's nice to bring all this information in one little piece so that yep. people can kind of have an idea of what else is out there from a, from a care perspective as well. Absolutely. Christine Gordon, who's the provincial lead of client services for the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and the Northwest Tor- uh, Territories is joining us today. Christine, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. So I'm not sure we have a ton of time to do justice to this giant topic that we've just introduced, but I, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the various levels of, of memory care available for somebody with dementia. Um, oh, I'll just leave it there. Just give us a sort of a range of what we, of, of what we have available. Well, I think one of the challenges that many families face is that um, those trying to decide what the person needs and when they need it is one of the challenges. And then one of the other challenges is expectations and what is truly available. So um, for most people, a good portion of their disease progression will be lived at home in, their, in the community that they live in, in their own home, et cetera, et cetera. It's when that transition into alternate care comes that people often have a lot of um, questions around it. And certainly here in Alberta, there are a number of things. There are, there are private group homes, as an example. There are uh, long-term care or assisted living in different levels that are provided by 
the uh, by the government of Alberta. And then there are also um, within that there's private care available. Some of those uh, private care homes, um, again, they vary in what they're like and what they offer, and they also vary in cost. Uh, where the subsidized homes in long-term care provided by Alberta Health Services are dedicated and around the, the dollars that are spent, each person qualifies for the same amount of money. So that's kind of the range of services that are available. And so it really depends on what the person needs and where they are in the progression of the disease, if that helps. Oh, it helps for sure. Um, I'm interested in your feedback also. Um, so we talked about a little bit about structure and costs and so on and so forth. Maybe you can give us and our listeners just, just a range. So as people, uh, obviously when you're, when you're uh, early in dementia uh, slash Alzheimer's, and you're living at home, uh, you know, that's one thing. But as, as you require further care, Faisal, you yep. and I both know, along with Andrew, that those costs can escalate. And can you give us a, a bit of a range, Christine, of what, what a family could expect uh, in terms of the care that they may require as you progress through this? Well, I guess that's, that's sort of the big question as well, and why we often uh, or frequently suggest to people that they contact the Alzheimer's Society in their local area, yeah. because each of the regional you know, services within Alberta and Northwest Territories can be provided some guidance in that. So, you know, you can have everything from, you know, a subsidized, like I said, residence provided by our government, if you're a res- Alberta resident, et cetera, et cetera, to private care that can be you know, six, $8,000 a month, depending mm-hmm. on the level of care required and the services that that particular uh, care home would offer. And that's within in private care. One of the things that we talk to families about and individuals who've been diagnosed with some type of cognitive impairment earlier in the disease process is that the more timely you can get a diagnosis, the more you can be involved with that planning process and being able to say, what do you, what does this individual want? Because I think for a lot of families, we can sit back, and I too, my family members, I had a grandmother and my mother had vascular dementia, is, you know, as a a daughter, I could come back and say, oh, you know, this is what I would like in my care in the future. But my mother might have had very different ideas about where she would have been comfortable. And I think often... Um, as adult children, we may be kind of impressed by what I often call the hotel or spa model of care, which we see in some places, but it may not be the best for that person. But, I mean, it truly can be range in care from subsidized from about $1,800 a month and upwards to however much you could spend, like I said, you know, six, $8,000 per month on some of these specialty care, private care homes. Yeah. So this is where it comes into a conversation of not only affordability, but the type of care you want as well. So right. it's, it's a mixture of the two. And if you don't combine the two, then <laughs> you're, you're either basing everything on a financial decision, because right. this is what we could technically afford. Right. Or the other side, this is what we want, and then Surprise, here's right. the $8,000 a month price tag, and you're like, oh, I can't do that. You have to put the two together. 
Exactly. And some people don't have that choice. So, for instance, yep. if you think about young onset dementia, so for people under the age of 65, they don't qualify for that subsidized old age um, supplement that we were just talking about. So their families may be faced with a situation where they don't have an option for subsidized right. care and what is available for them. And I can tell you that across our province, there really aren't dedicated care homes that are ideally designed for somebody who is under the age of 65, as an example, who may have quite different needs for activity level, etc., than somebody who is in their 80s. Somebody 40 and somebody 80 may have very different needs as far as um, their, their, what they want to do and how they want to be involved in life in a care home. Uh, we've got only a couple of minutes left, and, and I think we'll ask you to uh, to comment on <clears throat> things to remember. What you know? What what's the advice uh, that you would give to somebody if they're uh, they have a you know a family member that uh, that is facing this or they're facing it themselves, and it's it's early in the process. What what would you advise? First and foremost, um, look at what you need. Make sure that your legal and financial. Um, affairs are in order. You know, there is long-term care insurance. Um, Some people can investigate that through their work prior, certainly, to be diagnosed. But the one thing that we always talk to families and individuals about is make sure that your finances and all that you have the information around power of attorney and guardianship and advanced directives and everyone in everyone should have an advanced directive if you're over the age of 18 so making sure that all those things are covered off first and then as early and timely as possible after diagnosis involve the person themselves to the level of comfort that they have what do they want in their future what are their hopes for the future what do they want their life to look like if they move or when they move from their home, living in their own home, to some form of assisted living or long-term care. Mm-hmm. What are they looking for and what are their aspirations? Try and get that planning down and involve it as much as possible. It's not always possible. Sometimes people are diagnosed later in the disease process, and you have to, as a family member, have to kind of base your decisions on what you know and this is always the best. How much you know about the person is always better. Yeah. I think that's good. Uh, that's good advice. We have to leave it there, Christine. I want to thank you very much for taking some time with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. We've been joined by Christine Gordon. She's Provincial Lead of Client Services for the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and the Northwest Territories. Um, we're going to talk about planning. I mean, the health care, the health bucket right, is an asset class that we talk about. Correct. And it's not just yep. around, of course, Alzheimer's. It's about yep. quality of care, quality of life, all of these good things. Yep. But it's one of the four buckets that we're going to talk about at our upcoming seminar. It's one of the biggest fears that people have yep. is, as I age, how will I be able to afford the care that I yep. want? And we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, September 24th, 7 p.m. At the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary, you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966 8400 or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. The rules of investing have just changed the minute you decide you're moving into retirement. Stick around for what those rules are after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, we teased at the top of the hour um, that we were going to discuss how the rules of investing change. We had some interesting conversations with clients. Yes. Um, 
and some non-clients as well, yep. about, uh, about various aspects of the retirement transition process and the retirement planning process. Yep. Okay. Um, let's try to build some context around here. Um, I want to, at, at our seminar, and I'm not going to be able to do it justice here because we take people through a thought exercise to help them understand this idea of how the rules of investing change. But here's what I want to I throw out as a context for this conversation that we've had with various people throughout the week. Um, the problem that we face when we move into retirement and we need to withdraw against our savings to support our lifestyle is that withdraw feature. So the withdraw from a portfolio makes volatility, makes your portfolio much more sensitive to volatility because God forbid you're on the wrong side of that trade where the you know, your, your equity portfolio is down 10 or 15 or 20 or 40% like 2008, and you have to take money from it. Mathematically, that creates some very serious challenges. Yeah, can you imagine taking money out every single month and the markets are falling? You invest in the stock market, they're falling for whatever reason, yeah. and you have to continually take money out of that, that pool of capital, that right. pool of cash, just so you can live the lifestyle that you want. What kind of stress and anxiety you go through? Perfect. Now, let's transition that. If, if you really want to understand the full effect of that, we'll, we'll talk about our seminar at the end. I, I, I would encourage you to come. It's an interesting, Correct. really interesting thought exercise and a risk that everybody needs to know about. But it's germane to the conversation, at least one conversation that we had this week. Um, you were chatting with, um, uh, with a person who uh, was feeling uncomfortable about the risk in their portfolio. Yes. And um, got... Advice that I would um, I, I would consider more appropriate for somebody who's twenty five or thirty five or forty five years old building or what we call accumulating wealth, yeah. versus somebody who's at the point where they're going to be decumulating or actually withdrawing to spend and support the lifestyle they want. Give us a little bit of background. Yeah. So this family was uh, was recommended <clears throat> by their advisor many years ago to put eighty percent of their money in the stock market, twenty percent in cash and yep. fixed income. He is now six months into retirement. Yep. And he's kind of nervous. He's worried. He's hearing a lot of stuff sure. in the news. And so he's saying, maybe I have too much risk in my portfolio right now because I cannot afford big drops in the market. Right. Called up his advisor and said, I have 80% of my portfolio in stocks. I'm not comfortable with that. Right. I'm feeling an uneasy. What should I do? And the response from the advisor was 45 minutes of data dump of what's happening with the Federal Reserve, right. Donald Trump, China, everything that we talk about uh, yeah. in our industry. Yeah. And it didn't make that individual feel any better. Right. 45-minute conversation, and he's not feeling better. Right. He's got some more information. Right. But, but feeling that anxiety level still there. Right. And so the question I asked is, how would you feel if you had a certain amount of money dedicated to giving you income that had nothing to do with everything you're worrying about right now. Right. He goes, I would feel much better. I goes, then why not do that? He goes, well, I don't want to rock the boat with my advisor. Oh, that's interesting. You, yeah, you did mention that. I forgot. And I go, this is your money at the end of the day. Right. Why are you focused on what the advisor will feel? Right. When this is your money, you're the boss, it's your retirement, your right. future. Yeah. You have to take control of it. Regardless if yeah. you deal with me or not, I don't care. Right. You're in charge of your future. Well, respectfully, and maybe that's an industry criticism, uh, um, we work for a client. The client doesn't work for us, right? Correct. Respectfully, that's your money. It's your experience, 
right? It's our job as an industry and as advisors to take the narrative and the goals you're trying to accomplish and to work backwards from that to give you an outcome with the highest probability. Correct. Right? So uh, that was I forgot that that comment was made. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. But yes, don't the rules of investing have changed. And so an 80% equity exposure to somebody um, who will require an income draw from a portfolio exposes you to the, that volatility, that sequence of return risks uh, risk that we were just talking so about. So can I give an example of how the sequence of return risk actually shows up? Yeah. Let's say you have your million-dollar portfolio mm-hmm. invested in all these stocks that pay dividends. Yes, And let's just pretend the dividend is 4%. So you're making $40,000 a year in dividends. Right. And if that's what you need to live off of, everything sounds fine. Right. Until volatility comes into play. Right. So now let's pretend the portfolio has fallen 20%. Your million dollars is now 800,000. Still getting your $40,000 in dividends, assuming no one one got cut. No cut to dividends, yeah. Nothing's changed. Yeah. And you need more income. We have yet. We have retired hundreds of times with our clients. We have yet to meet a family that sticks to that $40,000 to the penny every single year. Right. You know why? Because we get a call once a quarter for a new hip or a new knee or something like that. Something you couldn't plan for. Unexpected, extraordinary expenses pop up in people's lives. Yeah. Grandchildren. Whatever Whatever. it may be. It happens. Yeah. And now the market has fallen. You're getting your 40000 and you need 50000 Guess what you're doing? Right. You're taking $10,000 out from the principal that you invested. The depleted principal. By the way, I was doing this in quotes. Principal. Oh. Okay. Now you take that money out, and you need to spend it. The market's down. The dividends. When you take money out of the principal, you get less dividends in the future. And you can't recover that it doesn't have a chance to recover back. So the now principal. you've got to continually draw on the principal <laughs> to keep that same lifestyle. Because right. you don't have 40000 bucks a year anymore on the dip. And I'm not saying taking dividends as part of your income in retirement is wrong. Right. What I am saying is you have to be, first of all, disciplined in your spending and disciplined to know mm-hmm. that the markets will fall and in extreme levels could be as bad as 50%, 60%. And if you can be disciplined enough to know, I'm still getting my $40,000 paycheck, regardless if my million dollars is down to 500000 it doesn't matter. I'm still getting my $40,000 paycheck. Then that strategy is good for you. If you can't tolerate that, you better come up with a new strategy. Yeah, exactly. Okay, number one. Number two, another uh, interesting conversation. This was about retirement planning Yeah. Um, and some assumptions that were made four or five years ago or six years ago in some retirement planning. Uh, that was done, yep. which are no longer valid today. Yep. So I right. came across an individual who's looking for a second opinion. Uh, we went through their financial plan that was done five or six years ago, yep. like you said, and the rates of return were six seven percent, um, and the portfolio didn't match the returns. Right. Or the portfolio did not match the, last three the plan, years, yeah. and there has been no um, review of that plan to see are we on target, are we ahead, are we below. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now, we do this every three to five years, depending on the client and their situation. But a review of where you are every three to five years is required. It's mandated in pension plans. Yeah. Why is it not mandated for an individual? Like, why don't we put that? That's like going and doing a a health check, a physical. (laughs) And I was great when I was 25. Yeah, exactly. Just relying on that. So I should be okay. Right. Who does that? Right. 
So it was an interesting conversation because what, what you saw was the anxiety, this person's anxiety going up because they're looking at the assumptions saying these assumptions are no longer valid. And that's fine. Things change. First of all, congratulations to that person who actually had a financial plan. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's a good point because very, very few Canadians actually have a financial plan. And then what we know is those that do have the financial plan, they're not being reviewed enough. Correct. Because the assumptions change, and it will, whatever. So, so look at how hard this is actually turning into. I, you, you don't have a written financial plan. Right. You have no it's idea a, what it's you're... A it's, hope, a, it's a guess. Hope is not a strategy. It's That's a right. You're in hope. And if you do have a retirement financial plan, yep. is it in writing? Yep. Let's say yes. Then do you review it regularly at least every three years? Yeah. Annually is not bad. Yeah. It's good to kind of do a pulse check. We do a pulse check with the plan every year. Yeah. We do a brand new retirement plan every three to five years, depending on the client situation. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. Why wouldn't you get another blood test just to make sure Make sure everything's okay. okay. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Okay. Look, listen, we're, we got to wrap it up. We're going to tie all these things together. Yeah. Um, because they're all, they're all interrelated. And we're going to do that at our upcoming seminar. We're going to provide a framework to how, to how to, how to see all these pieces fit and how the rules are different, how to protect against that. And we're going to do that on Tuesday, September 24th. 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. Now, you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. And I have to, uh, I, I just want to reconfirm for everybody, Faisal, this is an educational seminar. All we want to do is put out there why we think that it takes a different approach at this stage of life. As a specialist in this area, we think things are different. Absolutely. It's important okay. to educate, inform, and motivate individuals so they can enjoy their retirement. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.